Welcome to the Genius Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, I am your host, Craig Shields, and welcome to the official Genius Podcast. Every two weeks, we'll explore the ins and outs of how to get more eyes on your business with marketing tips and solutions that are more than just the sum of their parts. Every episode, we'll speak to a range of experts from both inside the Genius family and from further afield. On episode 12, we're joined by Richard Wall from Spotler, an expert when it comes to marketing automation. He sat down with our original genius, Emma Humphrey, as they explored this topic in great detail, highlighting what can go wrong and tips that can help you to get ahead. Hello and welcome back to the Genius Podcast. In this episode, I welcome the fabulous Richard Wall from Spotler. And we are going to be talking about things that can go wrong with marketing automation. I know lots of our listeners use marketing automation, so listen well, this should be interesting. Richard, can you tell everyone a little bit about yourself, who you are, where you've come from? Sure, yeah, thank you for having me on. Yeah, I um, yeah, stumbled into marketing, which is one the one thing you get told never to say about your career. It was supposed to be like you planned it perfectly, but um, in essence, I was rubbish at sales and rubbish at recruitment, and then via a mix of via kind of a hybrid sales marketing role in the middle somewhere I just I did discovered that marketing was where I wanted to be and then in that role discovered marketing automation I think it's one of those things where you know that when you get these mass emails in your inbox you're not that it's not someone typing them out individually one-on-one but I'd never kind of thought about the, the software and the tools that that made you that that allowed you to do it and then, so my last role, which was the, like the sales marketing hybrid role, I kind of found that sale, that uh, that marketing vibe, if you like. They were a spotless customer, which I discovered the platform, and I started seeing the kind of things you could do through platforms like this. And I thought, oh, that's this is awesome, and the company's awesome. I want to go and work with these guys. So I did, and now I'm fully obsessed with the technology and all the the things you can do with it. And and as you said, a little bit obsessed with the things that can go wrong because that's almost more fun to talk about sometimes. Brilliant. Thank you so much. And thank you for joining us. Um, I completely agree. We tend to approach marketing automation from the point of like, it's going to fix everything. You know, we've gone from being the there's an app for that generation to there's an automation for that, um, certainly in marketing. And I think it's, it's very interesting to sort of perhaps spend some time thinking about things that aren't quite as right rather than, you know, just all the all the kind of potential of marketing automation. So based on what you've seen in your sort of life in marketing so far what are the kind of things that people do with their marketing automation systems that cause them to have problems i mean the biggest one i think you see is what we call set and forget which is it does what it says on the tin basically you think oh great you know i can automate sending out my blog sending out a white paper sending out event invites and you do that you start the you set up a series of emails set up a workflow you set up the audience all the timings are perfect it's great and you set it and then you move on to something else and then six months down your line, you suddenly realize that you're still sending out invites for a webinar that was held three months ago. And you're trying to send people to an event page that's no longer live and your content is not relevant anymore. And I mean, the, the, the personal example for me is GDPR. Because when I joined Spotler, GDPR was just about to come in and everyone was running around absolutely madly veering from, oh my God, it's the end of the world to, ah, oh, don't worry, it's fine. It's just a new law. And 
I think actually it, it ended up somewhere in the middle for us, certainly in the B2B sector, because of things like legitimate interests that protect the way that we were doing it as good marketers without you know without trying to blow our own trumpets i think we were doing the right things anyway and all gdpr did was kind of skewer the bad ones and and clean the industry out a little bit but but the point was that the advice was in the in the run-up to was in may 2018 so i had like a five-month period where i was getting my head around it before it became became law um the advice was changing week on week and sometimes actually multiple times in a week so if we tried to automate anything around that content, it would have gone out of date so quickly that it actually would have made us look backwards more than anything. Actually, supplying wrong information about something is far worse than not supplying any information at all. If we just said, oh, GDPR is coming, we're figuring it out and leaving it alone, that's fine. But if we were giving advice that was already out of date by the time it's sent, people are sitting there thinking, well, these guys don't actually know their stuff. I'm going to steer well clear of them. Yeah, I think it can be hard, can't it, for a busy marketer to remember to go back and check stuff they've already done and make sure that it's it's still relevant and it's still working. Um, what are the other sort of things that you see from kind of time-pressured marketers that they perhaps do that they shouldn't? Yeah, I think it is difficult. <laughs> That's the thing. I, I, I'm fully infected by this in that as soon as I see a marketing idea or a marketing thing, I want to go after it and chase it. So the, the stuff that is going on day in and day out, the more of that I can automate, the more I do. So... And hopefully, <laughs> I think I'm on top of all the things that I've got going out currently. But now I've said that, I'm going to have <laughs> forgotten something critical. But um, I mean, the other one is like not seeing the wood for the trees and kind of approaching it in a sort of bitty way. That if you think, okay, I'm going to automate my event invites. Fabulous. Okay, I'm going to automate sending out a white paper every time I publish it. I'm going to automate um, new blogs or I'm going to automate new website visitors. And if you're not really careful, the first, what happens is you find out that someone is suddenly in all four groups and then in a week they're getting seven different messages from you and that's going to turn them off. Like, There's a lot of stuff about how many emails people find acceptable in a B2B context and it's surprisingly high. It's something like three or four a week is okay most of the time with the caveat that you're supplying useful information. You can't just email and say, hi, hi, hi. Like that's that's not going to work. But if you're delivering relevant content, you can get in touch with people a lot more often than you think you can. But you still need to just be aware of time settings and dates. So what we try and do is have, like what, for example, when we get what we call net news, the people visiting our website for the first time, there's a specific flow that they go into that kind of introduces them to the company more widely, and they're they're blocked from any other workflows while that one's going on. So we want to keep the focus on there. And then after that, we try and we yeah we it's it's another facet of set and forget. It's reviewing if we want to build another one. What days are people getting these emails? What time gaps are they going to get them in? Um, and the other thing actually is is the opposite way around. What happens when they don't get emails at all? Because I mean, for us, our buying cycle is something like three to six months. I mean, you know, like when we met at Marketing Showcase down in Southampton, that was what nearly a month ago now. And we're not expecting leads from that to close for, for another couple of weeks still. We've got, you know, they're, they're working their way through the pipeline, but we're not going to see the revenue off them for still a while to come. And the thing with marketing automation, the way we do it, because we kind of nurture these people and get them to a point where they, they know enough about us and how we work with their, with their problems and their existing solutions um, that we can offer them value and they do want to speak to us and start talking about money, that if an automation breaks we won't we'll lose them but we won't know about it 
that if we um, you know if we're sending them for example for example when you when you download a resource off our website like a white paper a guide something like that across the next two weeks you'll then get little bits of extra follow-up information around the same topic so if you've downloaded our social media essentials white paper then you'll get oh we hosted a webinar on this here's the video oh here's a case study of someone who moved from hootsuite to gator social and then here's another event coming up that we're doing about it and I'm, you know engaging them in different um levels throughout the funnel if it breaks then and they don't hear from us suddenly we were emailing them in the middle of a research phase we're in their mind and then suddenly we drop out they then go and research three other options make a buy make a decision and buy it and implement it and like i say we wouldn't have noticed that that revenue is lost but we lost it we lost it before it even came on our radar and that's the biggest like that's the bigger risk. Like whether whether sending too much or sending too little um is the bigger risk i mean that's going to depend largely on what industry you're in but yeah i think losing um yeah, losing ones that you didn't even know you had is a real risk because of the way, because of where automation sits in a, a typical marketing funnel. Ab, thank you. One of the things that kind of really bugs me about marketing automation or any form of marketing technology really is the fact that it's often used as an excuse to get rid of the human element. You know, people use the tech, but they don't ever bother thinking about the, the human on the other end, or in fact, when tech ceases to become an appropriate means of communication, and in fact, they do need humans. I wondered if you'd observed anything around that that you could share. <laughs> yeah, I can. I found, what I was reading one of these in, I believe it was a Marketing Week blog just the other week, that it was talking about when you buy third-party data, which which you can legally do through a B2B are happy to talk about that and that might be a whole other podcast about how b2b data works but um if you're buying it they gave the example that they bought a pot of data that claimed to be male it security managers at companies in bradford and when they actually ran the data through a couple of other bits of research that they did they found the data was 43 percent accurate and what that means is you get significantly better results by flipping a coin on each contact and deciding whether to put them in the pot because that would be 50 50 so you're seven percentage points better off you're nearly a sixth more likely to get it right than buying that data in so you need you when you get into the specifics i think marketing automation has to be used as a baseline thing so you can by all means you can target whether they're in marketing or sales you can largely target by industry you can target by geography quite accurately but when you try and combine all those together just adding more and more risks of it adding up that the, the total probability of accuracy is going to be significantly lower. And I think the other the other side of that is that I've read the statistic that on average eight people are involved in the B2B buying decision now and trying to match up all the needs of those people. So you've probably got in our case you'd have you'd have a CMO, CFO probably who's going to put the money up, you'd have the IT manager who's got to actually implement the thing. You've got to look at the, the CEO who's looking at the overall, you know, ROI, end benefits and the whole picture. And then I guess a couple of others, depending on exactly what, what size of business and what industry you're in. And I think trying to set up an automation that handled all of those people's different needs and concerns and viewpoints at the right way in the right time to pull it towards a buying decision. I, I can't even ma imagine what that would look like in, in automated. I just don't think any system is capable of that. 
at the moment. And so you, so yeah, you do need a salesperson at some point. You need to use marketing automation to kind of gather that interest at the top of the funnel, and then you can hand it over to a salesperson. Say, All right, we've got this CMO on the hook in, and he and he works for you know um, facilities management companies in Leeds. These are the kind of things he's, he's interested in, the automation side of it, he's interested in workflows. You need to take it from here, get it personal. I don't think marketing automation can really serve once you get down to that one-to-one, really specific conversation. I suppose the other, oh, sorry, do, I was gonna say, do you, do, you, do you think that's something that's unique to sort of higher ticket B2B purchases or do you see that in other ways as well, other sectors? Um, I mean, to be honest, 90% of my marketing experience is, it is in b2b software so it is that high ticket so I'd, I'd be wary of generalizing for for other industries but i think almost any purchase you know beyond you know I, if i'm buying myself a new kit bag to take stuff to the gym i'm not going to consult my wife about it but if i'm buying a car then absolutely i would because we're all going to use it um yeah anything i think it probably depends on high ticket it doesn't have to be b2b but as soon as you get into high ticket things then when people are when there are more people involved in the decision, you need to, yeah, you need to bring more people in. So you do need that. Um. I've, I've seen it as well in sort of, uh, I guess, in lower ticket B2B sales and in consumer as well, though, that people get frustrated that they can't reach an actual human to answer their questions. Um, you know, they're, they're sort of stuck with a a chatbot with canned responses and an email address that you get something back going oh because of covid we're not answering our emails like ever and <laughs> so you, you just get that like, kind of level of frustration of like i actually want to give you money here and you're making it really difficult for me to do so um so yeah i'd agree with that and i thought your other point was really interesting as well around the the kind of data and accuracy point of view for me like personalization it shouldn't really be about a job title or a location per se because that's not who we really are i mean even when we're buying on behalf of our businesses ultimately we're looking for a kind of an emotional payoff and all the signals that we're getting out of these fantastic systems such as the one that you offer they're they're signals of emotional intent they're not necessarily you know i'm doing this because i'm an it manager from bradford i'm i'm doing this to make my life easier i'm doing it to reduce frustration i'm doing it so i look great to my boss and then i feel you know i feel like i'm the daddy you know like there's <laughs> it's it, it I, I find that when when marketing automation works best it's when you take all the really clever tech and you overlay it with a degree of empathy and insight that allows you to relate to human beings on the other end yeah and, and especially within marketing like there's so many different flavors of marketers i guess you could say like you get you, you've got your know, super data analytics driven type ones you've got your sort of really creative ones you've got your ones that like to have a toe in everything you've got ones that just want to do written content you've got sort of video obsessives there's all kind of so yeah a marketing but and also because we work with sort of smes predominantly then the job title doesn't necessarily reflect what you do i mean one of my colleagues her title is um, marketing exec but in actual fact she's more like an events manager that's you know her that's the that's the bit of the role that she wanted to take on and happily because of the way our team's structured we can we have to give that to her and say yeah great have all the expos have the have the seminars and webinars you take you take and run with all the bits on there but she's not officially titled events manager so yeah from job title alone you wouldn't get that 
the kind of the specifics of what it is she's looking for in like tools that are going to make her life easier absolutely and that's i guess that's where i start to fall back in love with the whole marketing automation piece is because you've got that information of what content people are engaging with and you can you can build up a picture of what their interests and their priorities are from that information and for me that works way 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 better than just going dear richard as a marketing manager <laughs> you might be interested in <laughs> yeah Peter. yeah absolutely cool so have you got any final tips you'd like to share with our audience? I mean, there's, I've got a, I have got a favourite story that kind of works for automation and a bit for personalization as well. That I'd, you always might have heard this; it's been around a while, but it's around automating things that you shouldn't automate. So it kind of ties into that. It's, it's a, there's a little bit of humanness, there's a little bit of systemness. So it's quite a nice kind of wrap up of both bits that we talked about today. And this was famous happened to Walmart, the uh, the big retailer in the US, that they they discovered that through their equivalent of like the club card, so sort of a loyalty card where it logs your purchases in groups, um, they realized that they were able to calculate menstrual cycles from purchases of their members. And they said, okay, so when our system says that someone is pregnant, let's start sending them vouchers for nappies, strollers, baby grows, all the, you know, all the, stu- all the stuff that you start to stockpile throughout a pregnancy rather than waiting for for the end um, and the story is that they had a, a store in um, in Arkansas in the south where uh, a man storms up to the customer service desk and says why the bleep are you sending my 16 year old daughter vouchers for nappies she doesn't even have a boyfriend and obviously they're very apologetic they tried to calm and tried to calm it down and that was a obviously a misstep for them because that's the actually the end of the story is that the same man comes back two weeks later and says, um, "So it turns out not only does my daughter have a boyfriend, she actually is in fact pregnant." So <laughs> <laughs> and I think there's there's two things going on there. Firstly, that you know it's pregnancy is one of those. It's such an emotive topic, and I don't think calculating it based on a prediction like. I mean, firstly, the fact they were accurate is, is quite creepy. And I think if you're taking marketing automation to that level of detail, you're, you're probably treading on some dodgy ground. But also, it's it's one of those topics where, you know, are, the, are they telling people? Is the pregnancy deliberate and planned? And all these... like There's so many kind of emotional issues around that particular thing. I just think it was a terrible thing to try and try and automate because, because there's that, that range of experience within there. It, it might... It could very easily have not been an appropriate way to um, way to use the data. Absolutely, and I do agree that as marketers, we've got a duty of care for people's privacy. Um, I've certainly heard a lot of kind of chat recently about people feeling like they suddenly start seeing ads for things that they haven't searched for, that they haven't looked at online in any way, shape, or form. But it's come up in conversation in the privacy of their own homes, and that to me starts to feel like a little bit of an overstep that you know whatever know, your, your alexa or whatever is, is sat there there's a very good thread from i think it's like a former facebook engineer shared something like this that it's that he said he was starting getting at he went to visit his parents for christmas or birthday or something or other and then he started getting adverts for his mum's brand of toothpaste and apparently what they did what it that was it was the fact that his phone was near his mum's phone and that was getting picked up 
so they then started sort of cross-referencing what she purchased as well. It's like, oh, if, he, if he's near her, then, you know, maybe they're doing shopping together. They're going to need this reminders to get the same sort of things. It was, yeah, it was slightly terrifying. But it, I, I, I think that summer was something like, you know, your, your Alexa isn't listening to, to you, but it doesn't have to because the data that you're sharing is means they, they've already got whatever it is you're talking. But you, you don't talk about something out of the blue, do you? You... You might not be consciously aware of yeah, adverts you've seen, things you've talked about, routines that you fall into. And, and that's the thing, they're picking up on maybe subconscious things that you don't, you don't sort of have thoughts out of nowhere most of the time. They are, they're triggered by, you know, being in a place, seeing a certain person, a certain you know, time of the week that you always do your shopping, I suppose. So yeah, there's... I think there's so much data floating around there that we do need to take a step back and think, you know, firstly, what, you know, what are we overstepping the mark and what people think? And also, how much are people aware of the data? Because I think if, you, if you're automating something based on data that people are, are deliberately aware that they've shared, you're okay. When you start getting on that, on that kind of data, that things that it's true, but you've not thought about it, that's when people are going to start reacting to it because because they, they don't sort of lack that understanding of how you've gathered it. And that's where the duty of care, we come in and think about how you've, how you've got the data, what but have, um, have people shared it with you or have you figured it out? Absolutely. Richard, thank you so, so much. You've been an absolute joy to have on as a guest. Really, really appreciate you coming on and sharing your marketing automation wisdom with us. And I hope you'll join us for another episode further down the track. Absolutely, I've very much enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for having me, and um, yeah, I hope it's hope your audience enjoy listening to it. And I hope I haven't just been rambling about nonsense. Hopefully, I've made some sort of sense in there. I, I said a lot more words than I wrote down in my notes, getting prep, prepped for this. So, hopefully, there was some value in there somewhere. A massive thank you to Richard for joining us on the show today, and to Emma for hosting. For more information on this subject, please check out the link in the description. Join us again on the Genius Podcast in a couple of weeks' time, where we'll be going green as we're joined by a brand new guest who will be offering their advice on a topic that you simply won't want to miss. We'll see you then. Thank you for listening to the Genius Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe on your podcast platform of choice and share it with your friends. We'll see you in two weeks' time for our next episode. Thank you.